Hey y'all, Ohio Crime Mom here, and first off, happy Thanksgiving. I have a few quick announcements and then we will jump into our first part of Prime to Kill, our serial killer series. First off, you still have plenty of time to enter our big Christmas giveaway on Facebook, so make sure that you do that because I will be drawing a winner on December 7th. And lastly, as most of you know, I had a surgery a few weeks ago to remove precancerous cells on my cervix. Well, they found more before my checkup, and I will be having surgery again after the first of the year. So now, let's jump into our first episode of the series, Primed to Kill. Marianne was only 19 in 1961, working part-time in a bar, and here is where she would meet a young, handsome Navy man named Modesto Cunanan. Modesto also went by Pete, but we will refer to him as Modesto. They accelerated their relationship very quickly, and Mary was actually six months pregnant with their first child when they got married. They had their first son, Christopher, and shortly after, a daughter named Alania. Their marriage began to falter after this due to two reasons. One, Modesto believed Alania was not his child, and there was also infidelity going on. And two, that Modesto was the sole provider and Mary Ann blew money like crazy. On August 31st of 1969, Andrew Philip Cunanan was born. Shortly after his birth, Mary Ann, who already suffered from mental illness, spent three months in the hospital due to postpartum depression. After returning home from the hospital, Modesto was transferred to the Navy Hospital in San Diego. Modesto also picked up a part-time job and began attending night school. In 1976, Modesto earned his bachelor's degree, and one year later in 1977, he would go on to earn his master's. When Andrew was four, the family purchased a home in Bonita, California. Modesto had moved them to this area because he was constantly trying to get better in life and felt that he was entitled to that. Due to the area they had moved to, Andrew now was going to school with other kids who had much more than him. Modesto would spend every last penny he made to make sure that Andrew could appear as good as them. Andrew was a beautiful child, and his parents adored him so much, they would actually call him the Prince. His siblings resented Andrew due to the favoritism his parents showed him. Andrew had his IQ tested at a very early age, and it was very high, rating at 147. He loved to read and used it as an escape from all the things going on at home. By age 10, he had read and memorized an entire set of encyclopedias. Mary Ann stayed at home with the children and only left home for church. Pete worked a lot, but when he was home, the house was very toxic. Mary Ann began depending on Andrew for her emotional stability, becoming overbearing and overprotective. She clung to Andrew and made him feel as if he was superior, superior to other children. She would complain about Modesto and their marriage. Andrew felt the need to comfort her. Andrew would actually become double-dosed in this treatment as Modesto ignored his other child and children and focused all of his attention on Andrew. When Andrew was 10, Modesto began a training program at the prestigious Merrill Lynch to become a stockbroker. Modesto was always telling others he was so smart and powerful for this due to the fact that he was a minority. Modesto would leave after two years there and began working for Prudential Bush. 
Andrew was in middle school at this time. He attended Bona, Bonita, Bona Vista Middle School and was a part of their mentally gifted minors program. He dressed very sharp, wearing penny loafers every day, but instead of a penny, he wore a dime in them to show how much better that he was than everyone else. In school, he was known as the kid who wanted to stand out, no matter how he did so. He would tell crazy stories about his family and their wealth to hide the fact that he actually lived a very middle-class life. And now a word from our sponsors. Andrew's classmates liked Andrew despite the fact that he was a snob and talked down to them. Andrew's classmates described him as pretentious, loud, rude, and obsessed with money. He had this way of telling stories so that others would believe him. He told stories of his summer in Europe and how Modesto was a part of the Filipinian, Filipinian sorry, I cannot say that word right ever, mob. Marianne began encouraging Andrew to apply to the bishop's school. Bishops is still ranked in the top 20 private high schools in the country, and Bishops is an exclusive college preparatory school in La Jolla, California. Andrew would be accepted, and this began a huge financial struggle for his family. When Andrew arrived at Bishops, he became very concerned with how his classmates saw him, and he craved their approval. He befriended Matthew and Rachel Riffitz shortly after beginning school. The Riffits were very rich and lived in Mission Hills, San Diego. Anne Riffit, the Matthew and Rachel's mother, stated when she met Marianne, it seemed as if Andrew was ashamed of her and controlled her. But Andrew did, however, love for Modesto to visit the Riffits. Even though the Cunanans were in debt, they soon bought a four-bedroom split-level home in Rancho Bernardo, California. Modesto would give Andrew the master bedroom of this home. While Mary Ann slept in the guest bedroom, Modesto slept on the couch, and Andrew's other siblings split the other two bedrooms. Mm-hmm. In his senior year of high school, Andrew began getting involved with drugs, including marijuana, ecstasy, mushrooms, and coke. He also began bringing a gun to school, saying his father, mobster father had gave it to him for protection. He also would talk about the older men in his life and how they would give him gifts and shower him. His grades began to falter, but that never stopped Andrew from keeping up his high-class appearance. His senior class gave him the senior superlative—I can't say this word either—superlative, sorry, of least likely to be forgotten. And his yearbook quote was, "Quote, after me, the flood." End quote. Pete had been stealing stocks that didn't exist. Selling socks, sorry. Pete had been selling stocks that didn't exist to his customers, and when others found out, he quit showing up to work. He sold his car and the family's home that they were living in. He pocketed the money and fled home to the Philippines, leaving his family with only $700. Andrew followed Modesto, but left quickly after. He told his friends that Modesto had went home to care for the family's many sugarcane fields that they owned. 
Elizabeth Cote, who went by Liz, was a young, pretty, blonde socialite who was friends with the Riffit family. Liz and Andrew became close friends, and Liz said that Andrew amused her. Liz's family lived next door to the De Silva family, and Andrew was enthralled by the De Silvas, so much so that he began booking restaurants under the name Andrew De Silva so that he could get a better table. Liz was engaged to a man named Philip Morell, and when they got married, Andrew moved in with them in Berkeley, California. At this time, Andrew was not openly gay to Liz and Phil, but at night, Andrew would go to the Castro District and live out his other life. In 1990, Liz and Phil would have their first child, a daughter. Andrew became her godfather and her nanny. In 1992, they had a son, and the same thing would happen again. Phil began to notice dark tendencies in Andrew, and when Andrew would get mad, he would say, and I quote, I could go on a five-state killing spree, end quote. Andrew made a lot of friends in the Castro District. His favorite bar was the Midnight Sun, and it was here where he would meet his friend, Eli Gold. Gold would be the reason that Andrew and Gianni Versace would meet. Andrew began telling Gold and his other friends that he had met Versace many of times, but no one believed it. Gold and Andrew went to the VIP room at Colossus where Versace was one evening. Supposedly, Versace woke, woke, walked up to Andrew and said, quote, I know you know, Lago de Como? Question mark. End quote. This was one of Versace's homes and supposedly a line he used to talk to men he found attractive. They chatted for a few moments after this. Doug Steubenfeld, a friend of Andrew's, said that the next night he was walking down the street when a big white limo pulled up and Andrew rolled the window down to show off. Steubenfeld claims that Versace was in the limo. So we do know that Andrew and Versace did in fact meet. Andrew did tell Liz that he and Versace had been at a club together and Versace approached him and said, quote, Hi, I'm Gianni Versace, end quote. Andrew said he replied by saying, quote, If you're Versace, I'm Coco Chanel, end quote. In the summer of 1991, Liz and Phil moved, but Andrew stayed behind. He moved into a small two-bedroom apartment with his mother, Mary Ann. He re-enrolled in college, which he had previously dropped out of, and got a part-time job at a drugstore as a clerk. Mary Ann did odd jobs, chain-smoked, and had no grip on reality. She instantly fell back into the role of catering to Andrew's every need. Mary Ann and Andrew constantly fought, and neighbors heard this. And in 1993, Andrew slammed Mary Ann into a wall so hard that he actually dislocated her shoulder. He told her if she told anyone, he would kill her. And even after all of this, Mary Ann still clung to Andrew. Andrew began frequenting bars of the Hillcrest area and brought back the name of Andrew De Silva. This is where he would meet Lincoln Aston. Aston was a well-respected architect, and Lincoln and Andrew had an arrangement that Lincoln would give him plenty of money and gifts as long as he kept him happy. Andrew was also selling and using drugs at this time as well. In late 1992, Andrew would meet Jeff Trail. Jeff had graduated from Annapolis. He had came from a good family and was a straight-laced Republican who did not drink or smoke. Being in the military and being a gay man at this time was pure hell. He was stationed in San Diego on the USS Grizzly. Andrew developed a secret crush on Trail quickly. 
He also took Trell under his wings as he was just stepping on to the gay scene. And now for one last ad from our sponsors. Rella's Wonder Crafts is a small family-owned crafting business located here in Southern Ohio. They make a variety of crafts from custom shirts and tumblers to decals and wreaths, plus so much more. Since 2017, they have been creating magic and happiness by bringing our, their customers and visions to life. Come take a peek into their world. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Etsy, and TikTok. And just in time for Christmas, you can get so many great things. Andrew and Jeff would argue, but they would always make up. Andrew's friends tried to warn Trell that Andrew was not who he said he was, but Jeff didn't believe them. He just believed that Andrew was a good guy who tried too hard. Andrew began dabbling in crystal meth and was doing way more than he was selling. He was spending anywhere from around a $4,000 a month on his habit. He had also found a new arm candy. Norman Blanchford's partner had recently passed away from AIDS, so Andrew took advantage of his weak emotional state. In July of 1995, Andrew moved into Norman's La Jolla condo. Norman gave Andrew $2,500 a month in allowance and offered to pay for him to go back to college, but Andrew did not want others to know that he was a kept man. It would ruin the idea he had created for himself. In May of 1995, Lincoln Aston was murdered in his home by Kevin Bland, and even though Kevin admitted to this, Andrew had told many people that he had saw Lincoln that night, and many people still believe to this day that Andrew actually murdered Aston. In November of 1995, Andrew flew to San Diego and began hanging out with some old friends. One night, he was treating everyone to dinner when he saw a young, handsome blonde alone at the bar. Andrew sent the man a drink. This man was David Matson. David was a young, preppy, and handsome up-and-coming architect. He was from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and was in San Diego for business. David was immediately impressed by Andrew, and Andrew fell fast and hard for David. He would go on to say that David was the love of his life. The first evening they met, David tagged along with Andrew back to his hotel, and the two began a relationship. Andrew enjoyed showering David with luxury gifts, and at the beginning, the only problem they had was that Andrew lived in California and David lived in Minnesota. Andrew always had excuses as to why David couldn't come visit, and this made David think that Andrew was afraid of commitment. He also felt as if Andrew was hiding something, so they eventually split. Norman would go on to throw a birthday party for Andrew, and Andrew would invite Jeff Trail. But he knew that Jeff would not be able to impress his friends, so Andrew gave Jeff a pair of Ferragamo shoes to wear and a pair that was wrapped to give to him as a gift. Andrew also told Jeff to tell his friends that he was a doctor. Norman and Andrew would eventually break things off over the fact that Andrew wanted a new car and Norman wouldn't buy him. So now that Norman was out of his life, Andrew then reached back out to David. But David was done and had moved on. So now, what was left other than to turn his attention to Jeff Trail. Andrew went to stay with Jeff and his boyfriend. He cut his hair like Jeff, 
and he befriended Jeff's boyfriend. But Jeff had just become so uncomfortable with the lying that Andrew did, so eventually Andrew left. In October, Trell moved to Minneapolis, Minnesota to work for a propane company. He would now be living in the same town as David Matson. David and Jeff would become friends shortly after this move. And at this time, Andrew's drug use and rage continuously got worse. In February of 1997, David and his boyfriend broke up. And when Andrew found out, he told his friends he was going to do whatever it took to get David back. He flew David out for a weekend, first class, putting him in a five-star hotel, buying him suits, paying for a friend's wedding reception, along with taking him to fancy, fancy dinners. David kept telling Andrew that they were just friends, but this infuriated Andrew. So after a weekend of showering David with gifts, Andrew visited with his family. This would be the last time that Andrew Cunanan's family would ever see him. Andrew then began giving his friends all of his expensive clothes and shoes and threw an extravagant farewell dinner. He then used the last money he had to his name to buy a one-way ticket to Minneapolis, Minnesota. And that's where we're going to leave off for this week. Um, next week, we will be coming back with um, the actual killings that Andrew Cunanan um, committed. So, now on to our small business spotlights. Want to try one of the hottest hot chocolate trends? It's called a hot chocolate bomb. They're tempered chocolate balls filled with powder, candy, or marshmallows. Really whatever you want to put inside. Here's how you can get one. Go over and like the Sister Act Design Group on Facebook or message them personally at 1-937-779-2231. They also do personalized items of any kind, including t-shirts, cups, ornaments, and many, many more. Make sure that you let them know that Ohio Crime Mom sent you their way. We also have another small business spotlight this week, which is simply made, make sure I'm saying this right. <laughs> Simple Sense Wax Melts. Sorry. <laughs> um, she makes handmade wax melts and wax brittle. She will also be doing snap bars and scent cups and shapes soon. The price is $5 for a three ounce bag of wax brittle. And you can find her on her Facebook page, which is Simple Sense Wax Melts, or on her website, which I believe is simplesensewaxmelts.org. She started making these about two years ago and always wanted to make candles, but then wax melts kind of hit the ground and took off running. So I will say <laughs> I have tried her wax melts and when I say they are some of the strongest wax melts I have ever had I'm telling you if you are to order make sure they order a bag of the farmhouse brittle I'm telling you you will thank me for the rest of your life because it smells delicious so before I go I just have a few things that I want to say um, as a reminder make sure that you are entering for the big huge Christmas giveaway once again, I will be drawing a winner for that on December 7th. So you have very little time to get in and you have multiple posts that you can comment on to get entered multiple times. Also, I want to thank you guys all for your support and love and care and understanding. Um, 
you know, going through everything that I went through recently with finding out about the precancer cells and having the surgery and all of that um, has been a very, very scary experience. And um, I've kind of slacked off on doing the podcast a little bit, not because I didn't want to, um, but I've just been very mentally overwhelmed recently and it makes it a little harder. Um, also, I should have had this episode up yesterday, but Anchor was having some issues um, with servers, so I was not able to upload yesterday. But it just gives you the episode and time for your long Black Friday drive tomorrow. So before I go, I just want to say stay safe. Um, make sure that you take your precautions tomorrow if you go Black Friday shopping. And once again, happy Thanksgiving. Till next time, this has been Ohio Crime Mom. Thanks.